Well, good morning. Uh, it's great to be with you all, y'all, you. Uh, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, so forgive that. Uh, as I speak right now, there is a winter storm that is crippling the city of Charlotte with upwards of a half an inch of snow. Uh, has shut the whole place down. We're not even doing services this morning at, at our church. So um, glad to be with you here this morning and uh, excited and, and thank uh, Pastor Dale and the elders and the staff for having me uh, be with you. It's a real treat. Uh, I, I've come from Charlotte. I've got a, a wife there and three kids that are at home right now. And I want to share them with you real quick. My wife is Jen. We've got a four-year-old son named Jackson. And then we have a middle daughter who, whose name is Marin. She's three. And then we have a little baby, Faith, who is eight months old. And I talked to Jen before I came in. And uh, for all of you moms out there, you know how when your husbands go out of town and, and you've got all three kids and you're playing zone defense and uh, how that is. And it just, I'm really glad to be with you here this morning. Let me put it that way after I hung up the phone. <laughs> With her, so Jen, if you're watching this or listening, thank you for being an awesome wife and mom, and letting me be here. So we're continuing the series this morning that we've been in called "The Path," about how to find God's path, how to stick to it. And part of that, we've been handing out a Bible with uh, the new logo for the Compass Church, and I want to do that again this morning. Our ultimate guidebook and path uh, book for helping us to find our way. And I want to give it uh, over here to uh, one of you guys. How about my man right here? I want to give you that Bible. What's that? You already have one. My man, my man said he already has one. Who doesn't have a Bible? All right, bro, right here. Thank you for your honesty. You could have sold it on eBay, but you didn't. All right, brother. So I, um, I, put a, I marked a passage in there. I won't, I won't talk to you very long, so I won't embarrass you in front of everybody. I don't know if it's, is it cool to get a Bible in church? I guess it is. I guess that's a good thing. Um, I wrote down uh, Psalm 5-8 for you. Because it's a prayer that I've been praying, and actually my wife and I have been praying for a while. And it says, it says, God, lead me in your path and show me your righteousness. And isn't that a great prayer? And so that's my prayer for you as you continue to, to grow in your faith. And pray that that would be a lamp into your feet and a light into your path as it is for all of us. So we're going to continue this morning with our series on the path. And we're going to talk about the danger of shortcuts on this journey of life with God. Before we begin, uh, let me pray for us together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we can share together this morning. And I pray that you would open up every single one of our hearts right now to hear from you. And beyond anything that I could say or do this morning, God, I pray that you would be heard. And for each person here, for their struggles, for the journey and the path that they're on, God, would you encourage them and would you guide them this morning? Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh God, my rock and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name that we ask and pray all these things. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's go on a trip together, should we? Let's do it. You want to go someplace warm? Let's go to the beach. How about that? All right. We're on our way to the beach. Somebody's excited back there. We're on our way to the beach, and we're going to drive, all right? Because we're going to be cost-efficient, we're going to drive. So we're on the road together. You guys are behind me. I've got to put my arm back here so I can grab your knee like I do my kids and tell them to be quiet when we're driving. And we're driving down the road. We're on, we're on the road to the beach. We're, we're, we're listening to some great music to prepare ourselves for the beach and the time we're going to have today. We've got our suntan lotion out, and we're getting prepped. We're on the road and I'm going to turn around to you halfway, and I'm going to say these words, and tell me what fills your heart. 
Hey, I know a shortcut, guys. I know a shortcut. What does that fill your heart with when I say that? Fear. And said fear. Fear. All of us have a shortcut story, don't we? Every single one of us has a shortcut story. And what's amazing is for men and women, we can tell the same shortcut story in two very different versions in two very different ways, right? Uh, I I read a a story about a couple that went to the Holy Land to make a visit, and the man was in charge of all the directions and all the details, you know, doing his manly thing, and he had a plan and everything, and every day when they woke up to go to all the different sites in the Holy Land to look around, he would say, hey, I know the map says we we should go this way, but everybody's going that way, and I know a shortcut, and I think if we just take this route and we go this way, we'll beat everybody and we'll make it to the site quicker. And every single day they were disappointed because the shortcut just took longer and then they ended up getting behind everybody wherever they would go. And every day that he took these shortcuts and insisted on his own way, the wife would just nag him and criticize him you know, for the decisions that he made. And, and just day after day after day that they were there, it was just, just kind of a, this sounds like a great Holy Land visit, right? It just was a constant argument between the two of them about directions and about his incessant need to take shortcuts and get ahead of everybody. Well, after several days of being there and this going on, they actually went to dinner one night and she ate some bad fish, I guess, and she actually passed away. And that's the end of the story. No. And so the man is now, you know, obviously perplexed and he's got to figure out, you know, do, do I bring my wife home with me and, 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 and have a service in our hometown or do I bury her here in the Holy Land? And so there was a man there that was helping him to try to make arrangements and he said, you know, if you take your wife home with you, it's going to be an exorbitant amount of money and cost, but you could bury her right here in the Holy Land where Jesus lived and had his ministry and it would be a minimal cost to you. And the man had a decision to make, so he thought, what should I do? And he thought back on all the days of their experience there and all the nagging, all the criticisms, all the years of bad directions and bad shortcuts that he had taken and his wife letting him know about it. And he said this back to the man. He said, sir, there was a man named Jesus who lived in this land 2,000 years ago. He was crucified. He was buried right here in this land. And on the third day, he rose again. And I can't take that chance. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully, in in your marriage, your shortcut stories have not come to that place yet. Hopefully, it hasn't come to that for you. But all of us have a shortcut story, and it's usually a negative story because here's the deal, gang. Shortcuts can be dangerous, can't they? They can be very, very dangerous, not just when we're taking uh, shortcuts when we're driving or traveling, but especially on the journey and the path of life. Taking a shortcut, taking a diversion can be a very, very dangerous decision. And I want to talk real, real quickly right up front, wh- why do we take shortcuts? Let me, let's answer that question first here. Why do we as a people take shortcuts on the journey of life? You can talk back to me. It's a talk back crowd. Why don't we take shortcuts? Save time. Somebody said save time. Sorry. Impatience, Impatience, right? 
Laziness, very good. Money, saving money. It's easier. I, I wrote down two things in my notes of why we take shortcuts. I'm not saying these are the only two things, but I think, I think we could condense them down into these two basic reasons. They're quicker. Seemingly. Now, here's the deal. They're, they're, they're only quicker if it's relative to other people's travel. Have you noticed that with shortcut stories? Shortcut stories are only good if you can tell them in relation to another group of people that did not take a shortcut. It's like, how long did it take you to get to the beach? Four hours? We made it on just under three. It's amazing. Took a shortcut. It was awesome. It's got to be relative to somebody else, doesn't it? That you, you beat someone else in time. But to get there more quickly. The second reason I wrote down, unique. It makes us unique. So it, we get to tell a story about how we made our own way. Everybody else was going down the interstate, but I found a different way. I made my own path, and it was amazing. And I get to sing the song, I Did It My Way, the whole way. And that's kind of the soundtrack of a lot of our lives, isn't it? Of taking shortcut after shortcut after shortcut, because here's the deal. Most of us misunderstand the journey itself. We, we, we think that the goal of life is to get to the destination more quickly or in a unique way or for less money. But what God says is that the journey is just as important as the destination. Let me say it a different way. Sometimes the purpose is in the process. Sometimes the purpose is in the process itself. And on the journey of all of our lives, when we're tempted to take shortcuts and to shortchange what God has for us, what we're doing is basically saying to God, my way is better than your way. One of the great things that I get to do as a pastor is to dedicate children. And that's just a great service to do. And one of the prayers and scriptures that I'm constantly reading in those services is Proverbs 22.6. And it's a familiar passage to a lot of you. It says, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. What it really means in the Hebrew there is train up a child in their bentness. In the bent that God made them in. In other words, how God uniquely crafted them and wove them together in their mother's womb. Train them up in their unique giftedness and their unique path. And when they are old, they will not depart from the specific plans and purposes that God has for their lives. Now, when I read that passage, a lot of times in those services, I'm applying it to a little baby child who may or may not remember the service. And what I realized is, in thinking about this message, is I don't apply that passage a lot of times in my life as an adult. That God does have a specific plan and path for my life. Do you believe that? That there is a unique journey that he calls all of us to. And the danger of shortcuts is that I would take my own way and my own path. And I would give up on the path that God has designed uniquely for me. Now there's a lot of reasons why we do that. But God calls us to a path. To his path. And I want to spend the balance of our time talking about how do we find and stick 
to God's path for us. And we've been talking about that all series long. How do we find, and more importantly maybe today, how do we stick to God's path for us and not take the shortcuts that we desire to take sometimes on this journey of life? And I want to answer that question in one simple word. How do we find and stick to God's path for us? Are you ready? Here's the word. Submission. Now this is where I'm praying that you're not a a tomato-throwing crowd. Because that's not a very popular word, is it? In fact, a lot of times when I'm doing weddings and I'll be reading Ephesians 5 and I'll be talking to husbands and wives about their role in in the marriage and I'll use those words from Ephesians 5, wives, submit to your husbands, and I'm kind of, hope she won't deck me. Because we have such a negative connotation of that word submit, don't we? And Hollywood has given that that term a really a, a, a bad rap. You know that the word submission actually means bridled strength? It doesn't mean that you give any of yourself up. It doesn't mean that you give your strength up or that you become lesser than. It actually means that you bridle the strength that God's given you under someone else's leadership. The word submission, another way to define it would be permission. Submission equals permission. And when I submit to someone else or when I submit chiefly to God... What I am saying is I give you permission to lead me. Submission equals permission. And what God desires more than anything else in guiding us and helping us to stick to the path he's given to us is to give him permission to lead us in every area of our lives. Now, there's a great passage in the scriptures that I want to take you to this morning. If you have your Bible, you can open to Proverbs, the third chapter, verses 5 through 6. This is a familiar passage to some of you, and I want to read it to you right now and, and talk about what it looks like, what it looks like to stick to God's path by submitting to his leadership, by giving him permission in every area of our lives. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Here's what it says. It's the word of God to you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Isn't that a great verse? Isn't that a great passage? You just, when I hear that passage, I just go, oh, okay. There are three specific ask in this passage that God makes of us in submitting our lives, submitting our path to him. And there's one ginormous, huge promise that God makes in this passage to us if we will submit ourselves to him completely. Let's talk about what those three things are. The first one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, For those of us who are Christ followers, we've probably read that verse or heard it quoted before. Maybe we've seen it on a a plaque or maybe we've seen a picture by the the, the sea and it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And we go, oh, that is really neat. What a neat passage. But living that out is pretty difficult, isn't it? It's one thing to quote that passage and to say, I'm trusting the Lord with all my heart. But it's another thing to live it out, isn't it? In the day in and day out grind of life. Because this is a difficult life, isn't it? It's not easy. And trusting the Lord with all of our heart is a difficult task. I used to have a, I had a seminary professor that used to say, all means all, and that's all all means. 
All means all, and that's all all means. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, like everything. We were traveling a couple of years ago, uh, actually last summer, and uh, my wife is from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, so she's a Midwesterner. And we were traveling back from Sioux Falls to Charlotte, where we live, and we were making a connection in Minneapolis. And so we've got our four-year-old son, and we've got our three-year-old daughter, and we've got a little teeny baby. And I've got a hurt foot that I did something with, so we were quite a sight to behold in the airport. And we're trying to make a connection between one flight and another one, and of course, invariably, it's on the other side of the airport, and we've got about 30 minutes to make it on the other side and get on the plane. So here we are. I've got a stroller and a bad foot, so I'm kind of doing this deal. Jen's got the baby, and, and, and I don't even know what you call that thing, but the thing that you put the baby on you, and you know what I'm talking about. Um, and then, I don't know, I'm not even going to try um, and then Jackson, our little guy, is walking beside us, and we're just kind of slowly, you know, like the people of Israel, kind of exodus around, you know, through the airport. And um, so we make it to the gate just in time. We realize, you know what, this is a long flight back. We've got to get some food for the kids. So Jen stays at the gate, and I go to McDonald's to get some food for our kids. So don't judge me as a parent. Um, but I go to McDonald's to get some food for our kids really quickly, and I get two Happy Meals and some stuff for Jen and me, and I, we made the flight. And so here we are on the plane. Jackson, we put him by the window seat. I'm in the middle seat. Marin, our three-year-old daughter, is on the aisle seat. And then Jen's across the aisle with the baby in the other seat, okay? And for a four-year-old little boy, the airport is like Disneyland. And we've been talking about this because we don't get to travel a whole lot and fly. And so we've been talking about this for months and preparing him for this experience. And we put him right by the window seat so he can see everything that's going on. And so I'm there and I'm going, hey, look, look, look at the fuel truck. They're putting fuel on the plane. And here come the guys and they're putting luggage on the plane. And look at all the other different types of planes and the pilots and all the different stuff going on out the window. Look at all this stuff going on over here. And you know what he said to me? What's in the Happy Meal? No, 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 no. Look right over here, Jackson. This is it. This is it, buddy. Look at all this stuff. This is what we've been talking about. Look at that plane. It's taken off, and this is amazing. Look right out your window. There it is. Is there a toy in there? Is it Ice Age? Is it Ice Age, Daddy? What's the toy? What is it? No, look out here, buddy. No, but what, what is it? Did you get apples or french fries? What did you get for me? We take off, and, and we, we start. I, I told him, as soon as we take off, you can eat. We, we started eating and whatever. I thought back on that and I thought, you know what, that is my life. That is my life. You know, God puts me in a window seat, my heavenly father, and and prepares all these wonderful things for me to see and to experience and to participate in, right? And all I'm concerned about is my Happy Meal. All I'm concerned about is my next pleasure in life. When am I going to get my next fix? When am I going to get my next pleasure? And then I live from pleasure to pleasure to pleasure to pleasure. And I'm missing the whole time everything that is going on right outside my window. Everything that God has created me for, everything that God has created me to be, I'm missing out on because I'm trading that for a temporary pleasure. Trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts means not giving in to the temporary pleasures of shortcuts but allowing God to help us to see and to experience every single thing that he's taken us through, the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
Trusting the Lord with all of our hearts means this. It means me stepping out on the precipice and making a decision. And me saying, I'm not going to do this long or I'll fall. Me saying, God, if you don't come through, if you don't come through in this situation, God, if you don't come through in this decision, I'm through. God, if you don't come through, I'm through. And that's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? But that's what trusting the Lord with all of our hearts means. And that's what God calls us to. That's what he asks us to in this passage. Invites us into this experience where we trust him and submit ourselves to him. That's the first ask in the passage. The second ask is this. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. Now, you remember the story Alice in Wonderland? We're beginning to read some of these, these stories to our, to our kids. And I think there's a movie coming out in a few weeks about it. But Alice is on this mystical journey through this land, and she comes to a fork in the road at one point in her journey. Do you remember that? And she meets a very interesting character on the fork of the road. You remember his name? Cheshire. Cheshire the cat. And Alice, on her journey, on her path, asks Cheshire a very important question. She says, Cheshire, you seem like a, a wise cat. Somebody who knows the neighborhood and somebody who could tell me what decision to make. And so she asked him this all-important question on her journey. Which way should I go? There's the fork in the road here. Which which way should I go, Cheshire? And Cheshire answers her back with a very, very, very important question. Where are you going? Where are you going? And Alice takes a moment there on her journey and she realizes what her answer is. And she says to Cheshire, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. And this is what Cheshire says. Watch this. He says, then go either way because it'll take you there. Leaning not on our own understanding means this. When we come to the forks in our lives, and sometimes it's more than just one or two decisions, isn't it? One or two options. And sometimes it's three or four options. When we come to those forks in our lives, which we all come to, it means that we're not leaning on our own experiences, our own education, our own wisdom, our own savviness. We are leaning on God's direction and His wisdom. And then instead of asking someone else or trying to figure it out on our own, we're asking God to guide and to direct our steps. If you go back and read Proverbs 3 this week, the passage continues beyond this by saying, be not wise in your own eyes. Isn't that great advice? Be not wise in your own eyes. But that's difficult, isn't it? Because a lot of times we want to take the credit for all the good decisions and all the bad decisions for somebody else. It's like JFK said, uh, success has a thousand fathers, failure is an orphan. And that's usually how it is for our lives too, isn't it? Lean not on on your own understanding means asking God for his direction when we come to those forks in the road. First ask that God makes in this passage, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Second ask, lean not on your own understanding. And here's the third ask that God makes of us as we submit our lives to him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge means 
putting God in his right place in our lives and putting us in our right place. In other words, it's seeing God for who he is in all of his splendor and all of his glory and responding accordingly to him. A.W. Tozer was a famous theologian. He said it this way. The first thought that you think of when you think about God, check this out. The first thing you think of when you think about God is the most important thought in your life. Because that guides and directs all the decisions and steps that you make in your relationship with God. If you see God as a loving Heavenly Father, then you order your life accordingly. If you see God as a, as a dictator who's trying to ruin all and a kill joy in your life, you're going to order your life that way. So acknowledging Him in all of our ways is seeing Him properly for the God that He is. Is falling in love with Him and His character and who He is. And then responding accordingly with our lives and submitting ourselves to his leadership and to his authority in every single area of our lives. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, there's two ways you can miss God in your life. Two ways you can miss him. The first way is that you live your life completely for your own. That you are a godless reprobate who does whatever they want to do and lives like the Dickens and doesn't care about anybody else or what God thinks at all. That's one way you can miss God, and that's pretty obvious. The second way that you can miss God is a little bit less obvious. He said the second way is that you're really proud that you don't live the first way. The scriptures tell us that pride cometh before the fall. And when we start to not acknowledge God in all of our ways, we start to build a sense of pride that we made it that we did it, and we're not acknowledging God and properly putting him in the right place in our life and and then responding accordingly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That's what God asks of us as we submit ourselves to him. Are you ready for the promise? I said there was a big, ginormous, huge promise. You ready? As we live out those three things in our lives, here's the promise from God's word to us. Straight to our hearts, here it is. Ready? He will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. As we submit ourselves to God's authority, God makes the path, the word there in the, in the Hebrew is, he will make the path obvious. It will be obvious what you're meant to do. And I know for some of you in your life right now, you're going, well, it doesn't feel obvious to me. And here's the thing that I think we have to do, and this is, this is difficult, but here's what we have to do, every single one of us. When we're coming to those decisions in our life and we're trying to figure out what is the path and what am I supposed to do and who am I supposed to be, we've got to go back to what are the three asks that God is asking us to do. Trust in the Lord, lean not on our understanding, and all our ways acknowledge him. And then the promise comes, he will make our paths straight. What areas of your life, let's get more specific, what areas of your life are, we, are you not submitting, are we not submitting to God's leadership? Finances, relationships, your marriage, your kids, your job, what is the area of your life or areas of your life that it is so difficult to live this passage out? And right smack dab right there is where God wants to invade your life 
and is asking that you would yield and submit and give him permission to lead. Maybe a question to ask yourself and trying to figure out, well, what is that for me is, what is the most difficult area of your life to give God permission to be in? Do you kind of balance your checkbook and kind of with your hand over it? I can't see this. Um, do, you, do you find yourself thinking, I hope God didn't hear that argument I just had with this person? Do you find God going, God, take five, I'm going to make a few decisions and then come on back to try to avoid his, <laughs> his guidance and his direction in your life? What is that area or areas of your life that God's asking to be the God of? Uh, let, let me just say this, and, if, and, and if, you've, if you've tuned me out or if I've lost you, come back to me for, for this right here for sure. Don't miss this. God takes full responsibility for the life that is fully devoted to him. God takes full responsibility for the life that is fully devoted to him. Maybe another way to say it would be, Divine direction begins with unconditional submission. Divine direction in our lives begins with our unconditional submission to God. And on the journey of life, on this path, that's what God calls us to. And that's the big idea for the message. Staying on the path requires constant submission to God. It requires daily, hourly moment by moment submission to God's authority in our life of giving him permission to lead in every single area and as we do that he will make our paths straight I want to share a story with you that I read a couple years ago and it's become important to me and when I knew that I was going to be sharing with you on this topic. I thought, I, I really want to share it with you guys. It was written by a young lady named Portia Nelson. And she actually wrote it as an autobiography. Uh, and she did it in five paragraphs. Can you imagine writing your life story in five paragraphs? And she did it about her journey and her experience of life. And I want to read that to you. See if you relate to what she's saying about the path and the journey of life. It's called, There's a Hole in My Sidewalk. I walk down the street, there's a deep hole in the sidewalk, I fall in, I am lost, I am helpless, it isn't my fault, it takes me forever to find a way out. Second paragraph, I walk down the same street, there's a deep hole in the sidewalk, I pretend I don't see it, I fall again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes me a long time to get out. Third paragraph. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Fourth paragraph, I walk down the same street, there's a deep hole in the sidewalk, I walk around it. Last paragraph, 
I walked down a different street. (laughs) Some of you have been walking down the same street for a long time. And the hurts and habits and hang-ups of your life continue to bring you to a place where you're falling in the same hole over and over and over again. And maybe, just maybe, what God is calling us to this morning is to walk down a different path. A path that is not made of our own choices, of our own wisdom, of our own strength, but a path that is made by grace through faith. A path that follows after the one who has come to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a loving daddy. Thank you for being a God who loved us so much that you have made the path straight for us. Thank you, God, for your daily sufficient grace that allows us to walk a path not of our own choices or of our own making, but a path that you've made for us. May you help every single one of us to know what that path is and to stick to it. May you continue to guide us, to direct us, and may you help us to be careful all along the way that we would give you all the glory for our lives. It's in Jesus' name that I ask these things. Amen.